Kristen. Yeah. May the fourth be with you. And also with you. <laughs> Figured we should acknowledge that right away since it's May 4th. Oh. Another thing it is, tomorrow is exactly one year since our first episode. What? We've been doing this for a full year? A full year. Oh my gosh. I also didn't know it was May 4th, so. Oh, uh, interesting. Well, it is. And tomorrow's the 5th. And That's how it goes. Yes. And this weekend... Like we said in our very first episode ever, happy Mother's Day. Oh, wow. So make sure you use that promo code, CASTFILES, <laughs> to get 0% off of your flowers, wherever <laughs> am, you buy them. I am so glad that you said that this weekend was Mother's Day and not that I had said I was going to get one of those tattoos this weekend. Oh. <laughs> no, I don't think you said you were going to get a tattoo on our one-year anniversary. I No. There's like... A certain number of reviews and subscribers we have to have. Yes. But I thought we should pop in and do a quick intro to celebrate that fact. Okay. Well, thanks us for doing this for a full year. Yeah. <laughs> and also, we do mention in the episode itself that we are not the best people to be talking about the way the X-Files treats, you know, indigenous people. Right. Thought I'd reiterate that after listening through and editing. Just, you know... Say it again. <laughs> are, do, are we really Just, bad? No, we're not. But there are things that we are not seeing that other people are. Oh, got it. And then we kind of push back against it, which might not have been the best look. Oh, what did we do? Well, we just didn't think that this episode was egregious with their portrayal of American Indians. And I kind of still think that, but I also acknowledge that, you know, we're not the best people to make that decision. I'm just, you know what? I'm taking it all back and I'm just saying the X-Files, stop doing this. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> but I did look up Anasazi, just because they say that it means ancient aliens. I know, there's an Anasazi bean. Which we, in the episode we go, well that's just not true. And it's not. But I looked up what it actually is. And it is a Navajo word. And it means ancient enemy. But they're not referring to a group of people who vanished without a trace. They're referring to the Pueblo people. And the Pueblo people see this, uh, this word as offensive. Oh. Because they do not see their ancestors as being an enemy. Right. I will read a quick quote here from Stephanie Oyenke of the Acoma Pueblo. Uh, it is... To my knowledge, within our Pueblo communities that we have always referred to our ancestors with proper words to describe their next stage in life with honor and care according to our own language composition. The term Anasazi is a word not used within our Pueblo communities. Therefore, how can we, as a universal collective, honor our past people with dignity and respect? Now is the time to take back control of how to accurately describe our ancestral people. So, huh. Anasazi is not a good word to use. So it's like a derogatory word that... From the Navajo to the Pueblo. And it's just now used in the X-Files titles? Yeah. I thought that was interesting and it should be said in the episode. It is. I, I don't have an immediate response. Besides, I guess I'm not surprised. I didn't know that though. Yeah. Huh. I think it's also a bean. It could be. I don't know. Don't I'm not a beanologist. You're not? Okay. It is also a bean. Okay. But I, I didn't mean that in a derogatory manner. I meant that beans kept popping up every time I was looking for Anasazi stuff. I believe you. Okay. 
Uh, Happy one year, everybody. Happy one year. Greetings, listeners, domestic, international, and extraterrestrial. I'm Dave Reed. And I'm Kristen Riley. And this is The Cast Files. I am a nerd who has somehow never, ever, ever seen The X-Files. And I watched them when they originally aired. The Cast Files is a podcast where we watch and discuss every episode of The X-Files spoiler-free. Today we are talking about the season two finale. Season 2, episode 25, Anasazi. It originally aired a scant seven days before I graduated high school. May 19th, 1995. How does that make you feel? Explains why I didn't watch it when it was on, because I was busy doing stuff. Ah. Junior and senior year, I was a busy boy. Junior year, I had a job. What were you doing your senior year? Stuff. And things. Well, I had a job my junior and senior year and also did stuff and things both of those years. Good job. Thank you. I did not watch TV those years, though. There you go. I did not graduate in the same year you did. No, you did not. Nope. Or the same decade. (laughs) No. Or the same century. Or millennia. (laughs) (laughs) It was written by a bunch of people. The teleplay was by Chris Carter. And the story was by Chris Carter and... And David Duchovny. This is my part of the show, podcast. You get to do most of the talking. This is my bit. First you mace me right before recording. David Duchovny. And then you're going to steal my lines. Is not the leading man in this whole episode. Oh, how dare. (laughs) And directed by R.W. Goodwin. I don't know anything about R.W. Goodwin, do you? His name is Randy Windbreaker Goodwin. Oh, what an interesting middle name. (laughs) Yep. So IMDb says Mulder receives an encrypted computer disk containing the Defense Department's top secret files on extraterrestrial life and becomes a target. Scully takes him to a Navajo family that unearthed a buried secret to decipher the disk. Accurate. But also just a wild two sentences. Yeah. I mean, the Navajo stuff for Duchovny doesn't take place until much later in the episode yeah but i'd say it's an accurate one accurate description the x-files fandom synopsis says a computer hacker discovers evidence against the syndicate that is so damning that its revelation to the public would be nothing short of catastrophic what leading Mulder into a race against sinister agents to learn the truth that's less accurate but i like it better is the syndicate what we're calling the cigarette smoking organization? Yes, and all of the people that he talks to at the beginning. So it means the cigarette smoking organization is at the is a middleman in the syndicate organization because how many different people do we talk to before it gets to CSM? Just diplomats? Yeah. People from other countries. Right. That doesn't mean they're above him. They are above him. How they do got, you know that? Because they got the call first. Well, they got the call first, and then they reported to him. The head guy doesn't get the information first. Well, that seems stupid. No. In what organization does the head guy get the information first? In the Kristen Riley organization. <laughs> you must be an organization of one. No, I'm an organization of four, but everybody's below me. 
So it's me, these three people, and what they need to do is recruit three other people each. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't realize that the Christian Riley organization was Herbalife. It isn't. How dare. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's hair tonic for men who record in Canada. Okay. Trying to get David Duchovny some hair cream. That's not what hair tonic is. Isn't hair tonic like Rogaine? I'm sorry. Do I look like I have any idea what hair tonic is? I would have said no until you told me that that's what the Christian Riley organization does. <laughs> and then would I would you have like to, to say see my yes. pamphlets? Is it going to let me keep my hair forever and ever? You'll have to see the pamphlets. Okay. I'm interested. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to be bald. I'll send you a, um, a starting package. It's uh, $3,500. All right. Uh, take it out of our joint account. <laughs> no. <laughs> take it out of your account. I can't. It's not for women. <laughs> your account? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Good. Give me all your money. No. Riley already has access to all of it. <laughs> all right. Where are we? I went into a couple of the reviews. One thing that I thought was interesting from the Wikipedia was it says, Anasazi is the first of a three-part storyline with the plot continuing in the season three episodes, The Blessing Way and Paperclip. I carried this over because it doesn't spoil anything. It already says to be continued, but it really fits into my segment, What Does Chris Carter Think? He noted that the episode's creation, quote, was the culmination of a lot of ideas. Generally, when we pitch stories to the staff, everyone comments on them. And Darren Morgan called in this, called this the kitchen sink episode because it had so much in it. He didn't know how we would pull it off, but I'm very proud of the script. David Duchovny and I worked quite closely on the story and he had a lot of input. And then I sat down and wrote the script, unquote. And I feel that could have been a quote or almost every episode in season two. Well, David Duchovny doesn't help him with the stories, and he didn't write all of them. Fine. That last sentence can be cut. But I do feel like a lot of them are the kitchen sink. <laughs> Everything happening? And they don't know how to pull it off. <laughs> uh, okay, I gotcha. Entertainment Weekly said Anasazi was rated an A, being described as, quote, mind-blowing, if frustrating, unquote. Frustrating? Mm-hmm. I guess because it was a cliffhanger at a season finale right remember back when season finales made you wait forever yeah the great killing eve <laughs> killing eve season four is done we're just waiting for it to hit hulu it's done yeah they've already aired it we're just waiting for it to hit hulu how do i get it now you can't legally i don't care I do. I would never download no. anything illegally. Mm -mm, no. I need more of those two women in my life immediately. Bye, guys. And we're back. Wow. <laughs> Season four of Killing Eve was amazing. How dare you? <laughs> All right. So uh, writing for the AV Club, Zach Hanlon rated the episode an A-, minus, noting that the episode, quote, has a lot of really strong moments, unquote. But he felt that the episode marked the point at which the series' overarching mythology would begin to lose focus, explaining that, quote, it's troubling that instead of answering any big issues here, the show only gives us new directions, unquote. I actually really enjoyed that. Yeah? Yeah. 
I thought that was good that there's they're really building the world more than just the cigarette smoking organization and Malter. I agree that making it well, we already knew it was bigger than them because CSM has said that he is only a middleman. Right, but cigarette smoking organization. So he's part of an organization. We knew about the organization. True. But now there's at least... Well, I'm going to wait for the end. Okay. I do find that Zach Hanlon has a good point, though, because there's not a whole lot that's answered in this. Well, no, that's why it's a two-week-continued. Which is frustrating for... What if they... What if... Carnival? Yes. I'm sure they already got picked up for multiple seasons at this point before season two ended. They knew that they were going to definitely have a season three, and probably they knew they were going to have a season five, I imagine. Do they do that? They don't do that anymore? They still, they'll pick things up for multiple seasons. Will they? Yeah. I have no idea. Usually those, yeah, usually those are the worst shows, like Big Bang Theory. (gasps) Anger Management, starring Charlie Sheen, got picked up for ten seasons. Hate mail, send it to DaveReed at gmail.com. Yeah, go ahead, please. Get that engagement going. Tweet me, at Dave Reed. Do you have Dave Reed at gmail.com? Oh, no. <laughs> I was saying that because it wasn't your email address. No, it's not my email address. <laughs> so don't don't email that one. It won't get to me. Tweet me, though. Instagram me. TikTok me. Oh, my gosh. Give me that engagement. Let's get some hate clicks going. All right. Big Bang Theory was stupid. Jeez. So before we get into it... The final thing that I want to touch on, because it does talk about the Navajo people. Some reviewers have critiqued the treatment of indigenous peoples and culture in this episode. While writing a largely positive review of the episode, Jess Camacho of Multiversity Comics argued that Anasazi is, quote, awful when it comes to dealing with Native American people. Specifically, their very valid conflicts with the U.S. government. It has really fallen back on some stereotypes and doesn't do very well in handling things, unquote. I agree that the X-Files in general is very bad about this. Yes, I don't think that this particular episode was, though. I'm, I'm not positive where Jess Camacho is coming from in this scenario because... The oh, one- you know what? Yes, because they're working with Scully. So? She is the F, the B, and the I. Okay, I'm unsure of how that makes, how that's treating those characters poorly, just because they're willing to work with Scully. Specifically, one of them was in the government. Yeah. Okay. And another one has previously worked for the government. Who's in the government? The lady at the... Oh, yeah. Okay. Native American Affairs, I think. Sorry, you're right. Yeah, I was thinking of um, at the site, the New Mexico site. Right. Like, well, who, who in there? What did I miss? Well, that guy was a wind talker. Yes, that's the person who previously yeah. worked with them. Yeah. So I don't... The one thing I picked up on was possibly when the guy said there there was an omen that you could say making them superstitious is treating the characters poorly. But it's not just Native people who think things are omens. Plenty of religions have omens and... Catholicism. Right. Stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I don't... It, uh, this one was not as egregious as previous episodes. Right, but the one thing that I did pick up on is saying that Anasazi means ancient aliens. Yes. It's definitely not true. Right. There were some things... So this wasn't great, but compared... If we're comparing it to previous episodes of The X-Files so Gl- far... Glowing. 
Absolutely glowing. Which, again, the bar is on the floor. <laughs> the bar is in the basement. Yes. And then we also have, um, likewise, Eleanor Hersey. In an article published in the Journal of Popular Film and Television argues that, quote, the X-Files is certainly guilty of romanticizing and stereotyping the Navajo, unquote, in this episode. Definitely other people are better at this than I am, but I don't see that. I am not going to argue against that, but I'm not going to pretend that I know any any more reasons why. Yeah, just because this one guy was smart? I don't think that was why. Because <laughs> they're allowed to be smart. I don't think that was why. <laughs> I'm just saying. I know that isn't why, <laughs> David. Jeez. All right, so production note before we start, because this is actually the opening shot. To create the New Mexico rock quarry in this episode, the producers painted a disused quarry in Vancouver with 1,600 U.S. gallons of red paint and also composited images shot in New Mexico and a blue sky to make it look more authentic. The painting of the quarry was achieved with a series of cranes and required the permission of local environmental groups. When early seasons of the show were re-released in 169, widescreen for home video and streaming services in 2016, this practical effect became noticeable as sections of gray, unpainted quarry were visible at the edges of the frame, which would not have been viewable in 4-3 televisions at the time of the original broadcast. Well, that goes one of the things I actually bothered to look up. Oh, what was that? Exactly what you just said. Oh, hmm. Ha-ha! Yeah, you scooped me. I did, I scooped you. Wow. With, you know, my job. That's my job. I know, but I was proud of myself for actually, like, being interested and... In- Looking things up. That's good. It didn't pay off in this circumstance. No, it never does. Effort never works out. Oh, jeez. Never try, kids. No, don't listen to David. Ready for the plot? Yeah. Let's get into it. We open with a teenage boy awoken by an earthquake. As he preps to leave his house, the man I assume is his grandfather, because there is a man who is about dad age, and then there is a man about grandfather age in this house having breakfast (laughs) seems reasonable (laughs) the grandfather tells him to leave the snakes alone because they're going to be angry and afraid yes the teenage boy also picks up one half of a piece of toast before he's going to go out on this expedition and that is not how little teenage boys eat (laughs) (laughs) it might be in the mornings if you didn't tell them to eat oh my gosh I hope he has a, he, I know he has a, a blanket on his motorbike, but I hope that he has an entire picnic basket because, geez. I don't know. Did you not eat a ton of food when you were 15? Not, not for breakfast. I mean, as a, it does go beyond breakfast. Not in this scene. You don't know, you don't know how long this goes. I did, I watched it twice. I know, I know exactly how long it goes. Fine. So he goes <laughs> it on goes into till the, the opening credits. Into the desert. In the desert on a Navajo reservation in New Mexico, a teenage boy comes across a boxcar buried in the ground. He retrieves the corpse of an alien-like figure from the boxcar, which he takes back to the reservation and presents to the residents, including the Navajo elder named Albert Hosting, who I think is his grandfather. I believe so. Opening credits. After we see a, an eyeless corpse of an alien. An alien-like creature. Yes. It wasn't quite the alien autopsy alien. No. 
Shortly afterward, we are in another location and we see Kenneth Suna, a computer hacker known as The Thinker, who also has later the greatest screensaver in the entire world. Flying toasters? No. No? It looks like a grandma in a house dress mowing the lawn. (laughs) Okay. And I want it. I had an Obi-Wan Kenobi Darth Vader lightsaber. Oh. Battle. It was just them going across the screen fighting each other with lightsabers. I see. This computer hacker is known as the Thinker, and he breaks into the Defense Department database and downloads secret files related to extraterrestrial life and puts them onto a digital tape. Big old honking cassette thing. <laughs> this is when we get to see that it's not just the CSM, or the CSM isn't just in the United States, because we see that the syndicate finds out which is a secretive group of government officials, and they learn of the breach. It goes through, where does it start? The first people we see are the Italians. Okay. He says, oh, Angelo. No, Antonio. It was Antonio. Antonio, what do you mean uh, the MJ files are gone? Ah, chef's kiss. (laughs) Yep, word for word. And then it goes to Japan, and I'm not going to do a voice for that. And then it goes to Germany. Yes. And the German guy was like, this is not our problem. <laughs> he really does. It's great. They should fix it. And then immediately gets on the phone to the cigarette smoking man. <laughs> who acts like, yes, we're already handling it. But that's a lie. <laughs> it's pretty good. Because he immediately hangs up and says, that was the phone call that I never wanted to get. That's right. And we don't know who he's, who he's sitting with, right? Just other cigarette smoking men. I guess so. Yep. Pretty great. So then we see Mulder in his apartment looking kind of sweaty and not great in his little tank top. Uh, he looks like his tummy hurts. He does look like his tummy hurts. His tummy hurts and he's at home and he's not expecting company. But who should show up? The Lone Gunmen, my least favorite Hooray! trio. They show up and inform Mulder that Suna wants to meet him and they're interrupted with the sound of a gunshot. They... Do quickly mention, though, the blonde hair guy with the glasses. He says, the school of the Americas, which made me really happy. Because more people need to know about those bastards. Yeah, and I don't know who they are, so. We'll have a discussion. TBD. I'll sit, no. you, I'll sit you down and explain to you the birds and the AKs and the CIAs. Great. Can't wait. Or I could just read the Wikipedia page, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, but that doesn't have the personal touch. It's true. Of me looking you in the eyes and saying, they overthrew at least a dozen democratically elected leaders. And then I will say, who? All of them. (laughs) Lots of fuckery in the Global South by the School of the Americas. Them mentioning that leads me to something later in the episode. Okay. A realization I had about how I feel about the show. Okay. So that's why the School of the Americas actually does work its way into importance of talking about the episode i see all right well there is a gunshot in the building and it turns out that a lady shot her husband of 30 years and she's freaking out she's upset she is so freaking out it seems wild and then we never come back to it we mention it once later oh do we yeah Mulder mentions it later ah i mean later we find out what probably happened Mm -hmm. but only if you ever think about it again. Right. You don't. <laughs> <laughs> so R.I.P. that guy. <laughs> so now we um, go to the most gorgeous rose garden I've seen in a long time. 
and that's where Mulder and Suna meet. Suna, again, is the thinker. The thinker also calls his computer a bitch, so. (laughs) You bitch. So, here we are. Anyway, so Suna gives the digital tape that he recorded the Department of Defense data onto, and while, while they meet discreetly in the park, eyebrows, eyebrows, eyebrows. The chocolate moose flies at midnight. It is a gorgeous location, but there's not really much else that happens here. Mainly, Suna says, they know who I am. And Mulder's like, why? Why do you think that? And he's like, because I didn't take any precautions. And I was like, oh, Mitch Hedberg, yep. why didn't you take any precautions? And it was because he... So I didn't even expect to get in. Yep, he fucked around and found out. He does say that what he wants is to hold these bastards accountable or something, make sure that the ever, the public knows the truth and the, the answer to the people. Right. And this is where I figured out the problem I'm having with the show in general. Okay. They are acting like the government withholding the secrets of there being extraterrestrial life is just the most evil, nefarious <laughs> thing that could possibly be done. And they literally mentioned the fucking School of the Americas earlier in this episode. Yeah. They acknowledge that the government has done way worse things than just hiding aliens. And they're treating that like the just, oh my, I can't believe that the government would hide aliens. That's the worst thing that could possibly happen. Yeah, that makes sense. I totally get Mulder's intent. It's personal for him because his sister got kidnapped. Yes. By aliens. Or question mark. Or question mark. (laughs) People with alien technology for sure. Right, but we've already seen the U.S. has alien technology. Yeah. That's why I'm adding question mark, because I actually don't know what they resolve this with. Okay. (laughs) So it makes sense that he's super invested, but for everybody else that's acting like just it's the worst possible thing that could happen is if the government was hiding aliens. When I can't remember how many other things that they've acknowledged happened. Right. MK Ultra, I think they mentioned. I think they mentioned the Tuskegee experiments. Yep, they did. <laughs> there's so many things that are way worse that the government have do- has done and that they've acknowledged that the government's done. Right. So to, to act like it's just so egregious for this one thing to happen, that's, I don't even know if it, it's that bad. If they're hiding aliens, I don't think I care. I don't care. <laughs> it's so, it's... The myth arc is really hard for me because it comes up and I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's a problem I'm having with the overall mission statement of the show. Yeah. I do love the Monsters of the Week because I can get down with that. I love horror. I love things that could be creepy in my own backyard but are absolutely fake. Yeah. I love being scared for a limited amount of time on my own terms. <laughs> right. It's great. It's fantastic. Yeah. But I don't think... Aliens, for, for me, don't fall into that. No, not for me at all, because just the simple fact of if there are aliens that can come here, whatever they want to do, they're going to do, and there's nothing we could do to stop it. Yeah, it's, it's, out, of, it's out of our hands. There's nothing... There's no reason for an alien... To come here and then just be poking around like E.T. 
They're so technologically advanced. If they can get here... If they want to help us, then they're helping us. If they want to kill us, they would have killed us. And if you look around, there's no reason to keep us because we are the scourge of the earth. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. It's too silly. I think in 1995, to be fair, it was more intriguing. It was before the real dawn of the internet. Yes. So a whole lot of things. When he said School of the Americas... There weren't nearly as many people that went, ha, 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 yeah, I know what that is. Yeah, we do have access to a lot more now, and we know a lot more of, the individual lay person knows a lot more of the egregiousness that the government has just done and pretended is no big deal, yeah. or done in the name of American freedom or right. whatever. It's it's not a big enough threat. Right. <laughs> Aliens are not a big enough threat. <laughs> yeah. And we're in 2022. We're in the same year that the FBI came out and admitted that they killed Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. Yeah. So right now, aliens are not high on my list of threats. We're in the second year of a global pandemic. Starting our junior year, baby. Aliens, dudes, you don't want to be here. You don't have the immunities. You haven't even gotten vaccinated yet. You might be the... War of the Worlds with Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> Tom Cruise. That was Tom Cruise. Was it? How dare you? Are you can say a lot of things about Tom Cruise, but he is a damn fine actor. I didn't say he wasn't. I just forgot who was in that movie that I didn't care about. The radio play, though? Worth listening to. Okay. All right. So, um, after receiving the tape, Mulder is excited and he returns to the FBI headquarters, but it takes him 11 hours to open this one file. <laughs> Because he doesn't open it until Scully walks in the door. And when he opens it, he's like, God damn it, it's encrypted. I hate everything. Kick this trash can. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Yeah, there had to be a long period of time between those two things. Because she probably came in for her regular day. Yeah. And he did that at night. Yeah. Wow. The timing in this episode. Is pretty egregious. They, You know what? You know what the government is actually hiding? Time travel. Yes, wormholes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that in a bit. Uh, so as Mulder is throwing a tantrum, Scully believes that the encryption is based on the Navajo language and takes the tape in order to investigate. Yeah, it was pretty easy to know that that's what was going to happen considering right. the start of the episode. But also, if anybody's ever played Assassin's Creed 3, I just looked at that and went, oh, that's American Indian language. I know that. I couldn't say it was Navajo, but I recognized it, that it was an indigenous language. And you didn't even kick a trash can. I didn't. It's because I recognized it. If I didn't recognize it, I would have torn this place apart. Oh. <laughs> language I don't understand. How dare! <laughs> no one should do that. <laughs> Mulder huffs out of the room while Scully's like, I don't think this is encrypted in, in like the regular computer way that we know of in 2022 i think it's encrypted air quotes encrypted in the way that it's just a different language you don't understand which really isn't encryption it's more just translation well, i think the wind talkers also did code like they she, talked yes. in navajo and they talked in code yeah she does say a lot of this is in jargon later yeah which i think is supposed to be in the same thing but Mulder huffs out of the room, and all of us watchers, or all of us viewers who have seen two, two seasons of Mulder are just like, yeah, that's how he behaves. <laughs> he runs into Skinner in the hallway, 
and just continues his ridiculousness where he's just like, but dad, why are you lying to me? I can't believe you're sending me on this other trip that's going to be some sort of weird chase. And why? Tell me more details before you send me out. Uh, A quick bit of information is Skinner already knows that he has those files. He does. So. Because Skinner is the dad and Mulder is the son having the outburst. Every movie and TV show is about fathers and sons. And Mulder is the baby boy. He is my baby boy. The sweet baby boy who needs to figure out his hair care products. And he has all of the daddies. <laughs> so who is who is Mulder's dad? We have Mulder's dad. We have Skinner. And we cigarette, have cigarette smoking, smoking man. man. And I believe Scully also. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, okay, you know what? Out of all of those, I'm, I think I'm giving it to Scully. Yeah, Mulder is not capable of surviving without Scully. He <laughs> would have gotten fired eons ago. She is constantly saving his ass, even when she's damseled 90% of the time. Well, this is where Mulder loses it, and Skinner suggests that Mulder come to his office. He wants to talk to Mulder about the tape that he believes Mulder has. And Mulder physically attacks him. And then Mulder loses, and it's pretty rad. (laughs) I did want Skinner to get in a nice, I don't know, right hook, but just petting him was pretty great. He's a stepdad. (laughs) Take the punch, and I'll grapple you until you're calmed down. Grapple. Scully is brought in before the FBI panel led by Skinner and is questioned about Mulder's actions. Scully is told that Mulder faces dismissal from the FBI and that she will suffer a similar punishment if she has lied to them. And I really like her in this scene because when they suggest that she may lie to protect Mulder, she says, she simply asks, am Am I being being accused accused of lying? lying? (laughs) And I was like, pew, 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 cheer. (laughs) Because it was a bunch of men, including a cameo by a series creator, Chris Carter. Oh, I don't know which one he was, but he was at that table. Every time I try to think of Chris Carter, I picture somebody else, and I don't rem- I don't know who that other person is. I've literally never looked up Chris Carter. I don't think I have either. I think I'm never going to look up Chris Carter. Okay. There is that one woman who never has any lines, but they're like, we have a woman on our board. It was pretty, it was a good scene for Scully, and she leaves. She is equal with them in rank, but they still, like, ask her to get coffee and stuff. <sighs> Yes, they do. And they're, they're like, oh, we're having this office party. Are you going to bake cookies? <laughs> Are you planning it? And she's like, I'm a fucking VP of conspiracies in the entire universe. I, no. have, a, I have a doctorate in FBI. <laughs> I have a doctorate in alien bodies in a warehouse somewhere that you don't even know about. No, oh. I'm not baking fucking cookies. <laughs> I'm FBI PhD. Would you like butterscotch oatmeal? No! Do not... Women and non-binary people, unless you really, really enjoy doing it, do not bake goods and bring them into the office. If it's something that you enjoy, go ahead. Otherwise, don't do it, because it will put you in a position that you do not want to be in. And it's not your fault, but it's where you'll end up, and it's where they'll keep you. Did you know that? Yes. Is that why you never bake? It's why I enforce the patriarchy, so I can get baked goods. That's right. I hate the patriarchy unless I can get baked goods. Then I'm on board. 
I'm saying all of this as I'm making homemade everything. Mm-hmm. But I did mace you earlier. So. You did. Yeah, I'm still feeling the effects of it. You know what? Do that. <laughs> Stealth mace the patri- patriarchy while you're making homemade pasta sauce. <laughs> it smells really good in here. I'm very excited for all of the stuff I'm making. Um, but I would not do it for my office folks. If anything, I would just bring in something that I store-bought. Okay. It's important. I believe you. All right. So now we go to Martha's Vineyard. Oh, yay. Which all I know about Martha's Vineyard is, is it's a place I will never go because too many rich people live there. <laughs> and I also like to imagine that Martha Stewart owns the entire location <laughs> and that it's her vineyard. That makes a lot of sense. I like that. I like that better than what it actually is. Yeah, that's where my little kid or young brain settled on. And I've decided that, you know what? I like this. That's where it is. So on Martha's Vineyard, the cigarette smoking man visits Mulder's father, Bill. And Bill is like, dude, we (laughs) talked about this. You're not supposed to come here. Yeah, but we talked about it a long time ago. Therefore, it doesn't matter. And Bill's like, doesn't count. Come on, guy. We pinky swore in everything. Dude, that was like four weeks ago. <laughs> it was basically that. Cigarette smoking man informs Bill of his son's likely possession of the tape. The tape. <laughs> okay. <laughs> surprise! Mulder's dad is shady as fuck! I did, actually wasn't surprised. Were you surprised? No, did we not already know that? I don't think we did. Oh, wow. It must have just been an assumption I made. Yeah. Because I don't think in any of the, yeah, in the ones where we saw Bill before, we were just like, not a charismatic actor. We would pick other dads for Mulder. (laughs) But I don't think they said anything about his actual involvement. Huh. Weird. But either way, nobody's surprised. And then as an asterisk, I said, or I'm not, just in case anybody else is surprised. If you're surprised, you know what? Great. Good for you. Enjoy the reveal. Yeah, that's nice. (laughs) I enjoyed the reveal of them drinking Angus Reed's scotch. Is that your family line? Angus Reed's finest scotch whiskey. No. No, they spelled Reed wrong. Oh, did they? Yeah. It has an I in it? Yeah. Like Dave? Yeah, they got the I in the wrong word. (laughs) Angus doesn't have an I in it. It should. (laughs) Angus. Angus. (laughs) All right. Uh, Well... Smokey Man says the last thing they need is a martyr when Bill asks if Mulder will be hurt. And I said, is that true? Is Mulder really well known enough to become a martyr? I don't think so. We've got the lone gunman and zero indication that they have any sway in reality. And Reddit doesn't exist yet. The thinker. The thinker also requested Mulder personally. Uh, NICAP knows who he is. Uh, We do have BBS boards. So there is the internet. It's just not widespread at this point. Big, beautiful snakes. Yep. (laughs) But it seems like he is well-known in the community. I don't know if that'll make him a martyr. What he did say before that, though, was we've protected him this far, haven't we? Yes. So we have another reason why they're not killing Mulder, which I appreciated. I just don't think he'd be a martyr. No, I think that's bullshit, too. I think it would be one month of upheaval on the... Big, beautiful snake sports, and yeah. then something else would happen, and we'd be off and running. It'd be a hashtag on Twitter for a little bit. Not even. Twitter w- doesn't wouldn't exist. Even, wouldn't even trend. Nope. And trend locally in D.C. Mm-hmm. And that'd be it. And that's not even a state. <laughs> Those fuckers. 
But I appreciate it. We got another reason. So there's two reasonable reasons, I think. One, because Bill is involved, and two, because CSM is involved. CSM said, I like you. And I went, oh, yeah, that's a good enough reason. I did like that scene. We'll do a recap of season two. That was, yeah, that was in um, the Tony Todd episode where Mulder's in the CSM's apartment, and that's when he says that. That was in the Tony Todd episode? Yeah, sleeplessness. Sleepless, whatever. Sleeplessness, sleepless, in Seattle. Damn it, you got there before me. (laughs) Sleepless in You've Got Mail. <laughs> Sleeplessness in When Harry Met Sally. I'll have what she's having. Scully goes to meet Mulder. He's sleeping on the couch again. Never, ever in a bed. Ah, not so far in a bed. Do you think that he's going to be in a bed later? He is in this episode. <gasps> he is in this episode. And then we see his um, his jockey shorts. His boxer briefs. That's what they are. 95, that's... That's advanced. And I was like, why are we having this shot? Why is he completely, why is he uncovered to his knees? Yeah, because he wanted to be. Or R.W. Goodwin wanted him to be. Or Chris Carter wanted him to be. No, he didn't direct. I think he has a little sway. How sway? How sway? <laughs> the distance of the covers sway. <laughs> <laughs> so you think that he would be a martyr? Could be a martyr. In a very small circle. Right. Like, I don't think the outcome would change at all. I don't think his martyrdom would affect anything. I don't think that makes you a martyr, then, if you don't affect anything. Wow. Way to just denigrate all the martyrs out there. Yeah. You're not an actual martyr if you're not impacting anything. Wow. Brutal. Isn't that the definition of a martyr? I have no idea. All right, well, I'm right. I thought it was when you die and people care about you. No, that's just death. Uh, is it? <laughs> and being human. Is it? Yeah. Okay. I'll take your word for that. You should, because I'm right. Okay. It doesn't... How would that make you a martyr? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> How many funerals have you been to? One. Did you go to a martyr funeral? Yeah, because I cared about it. Okay. Well, I'm not going to make fun of that. I think that it's important to care about people. <laughs> Scully goes to meet Mulder. Um, so going back to that, and he's asleep on the couch. She absolutely is in the right to question Mulder because she's like, dude, why are you acting like this? Why am I covering for you? But as we've seen time and time again, Mulder can't handle being questioned. <laughs> This is where I wrote my note about they're trying to make him be like overly bad behavior Mulder, but it's just not much different than his regular Mulder behavior. Yep. She, and that is solidified in this next piece when she asks him why he attacked Skinner and he says, although he's thought about it, so good job Mulder actually being introspective. He says that he honestly can't say. And I'm like, when has that ever gotten me off the hook? Well, he's not getting off the hook. He's still in trouble. With who? They're going to fire him over it. They've been going to fire Mulder in every single episode for 49 episodes. (laughs) That's all well and good, but I think he's got a reason. I think it's everybody's reason. Who has not wanted to punch their boss? Anybody? I don't want to punch my current boss. Okay, a boss. Okay. I guess that one. That's actually what I wrote down. Yeah, not, a boss. Not every boss. Not your current <laughs> boss. But who has never wanted to punch a boss? That's fine. But that's also his dad. 
Who has never wanted to punch a dad? <sighs> so he doesn't know why he attacks Skinner. And this is a note that I wrote as I was watching it. So the thing that's going to happen is we'll find out something is happening to alter Mulder's behavior. But in reality, he's been behaving similarly to this for two seasons. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Scully goes away and meets with a Navajo translator who refers her to a code talker. This is a woman who was in the Shapes episode. Yes. So. I think she was the sister of the. Yes. So. Hmm. What do they call it? Shapeshifter? No, it had a name. It did. But they were but wrong. It, but it was wrong, was. so it's okay not to remember because it was wrong. Yeah. Sweaty Mulder is called away to see Bill. He's very sweaty. And when Scully arrives at his apartment, she is grazed by a bullet shot through oh. his window. We neglected to mention that he put the X up on the window when uh, Scully was over. That's true. She wanted to know why something, something. So he put the X up. And he's waiting when he gets the phone call from his dad. That's true. So you think it was X who shot him? That's what I was going to speculate at the end of the episode. Or right here. Right here is a good speculation. We're doing it now. So she walks up to the X and the shot comes out immediately. And I posit that the reason she didn't get killed is because the sniper's nest or whatever was pre-set up, already set up, ready to go, ready to kill Mulder. But he's way taller than her. So she just gets the graze on the forehead where Mulder would have gotten it in the face. Ooh. So they were expecting Mulder, either from Mr. X or the guy who we're going to see coming up shortly. Yeah. I'm so excited. (laughs) I like that. I like that. uh... But I think reasonably it could be either way because Mulder and X left each other on a bad foot. Yeah, they did. So calling X could be an insult. It could be an insult or it could be an olive branch. No, I mean, he could be taken as an insult by X. X could be like, uh, no, fuck you, dude. Right. You're done. That's what I'm saying. Done so. It could be an insult or an olive branch. Hey, I'm calling you because I need your help. Hey, I know we fought. I don't have your phone number so I can't text you. (laughs) I need you even though you don't need me. I I, I don't see much of a way that X could take it as anything other than slightly insulting. So, could be X that took a shot. Could be the next guy. Could be. Well, Sweaty Mulder is called away to see Bill, his dad, and... Oh, I just said that. Okay. When Mulder arrives at Bill's residence, which... Let's just pause for a moment. (laughs) Yes. Mulder is in D.C. Martha's Vineyard is where Bill is staying. I looked it up. It is a approximately 9 to 10 hour drive, depending on traffic, from D.C. to Martha's Vineyard. It's nighttime when he leaves. It's nighttime when he arrives, and he's still sweaty. So. He hasn't even dried off. Now, if he could somehow get to the airport and fly immediately, let's say there's no getting to the airport, there's no, well, there's no TSA, really, at that point, because it's 95. Mm-hmm. Re- oh, remember that? Jesus. No, I never flew. The only time I flew pre-9-11 was through work. Oh, okay, so that would be different anyway. Yeah, I hopped so you on got, a jump seat. You got to skip the security theater? I got to skip. No, I had to do that at work. It's uh, just much less. They're just like, we're doing this because we're supposed to in the end. Yeah. Well, so if he could immediately, let's say he could get on the subway immediately from his apartment and get to the airport, 
and check in and get on the plane and fly to Martha's Vineyard and then get on the uh, then land and taxi and all of that stuff. It's an hour and a half flight, so that would be two hours straight straight up if yeah. he could just do it as quickly as possible. We don't get the indication that that's what's happened. No, he teleported. Because, right, because he ha- his sweat hasn't even dried. <laughs> well, I mean, you can continue to sweat. He hasn't, that's a thing you can do. He hasn't been hydrating. He is not. At some point, you stop sweating. Oh, no, he is hydrating at this point. And then he drives either 10 hours or teleports. He definitely teleports. He has to because he's back shortly. Right. Because he spends like 20 minutes there. Yes. So he gets to his dad's place in just, he makes amazing time. Like, ways can't even get get you there this fast. (laughs) His father talks to him in the most vague ways possible, saying literally nothing. Well, while watching it, it was frustrating that he was just talking in these vagaries when I have something very important that I want to tell you than vagueness when he gets there until when we were watching it and you mentioned has he just been drinking this entire time and oh that's why this man is shit-faced I don't think that's why I think he is the kind of person who has no idea how to actually communicate with anybody well it's not going to get better if you're shit-faced no it isn't but I think that's just how he thinks he thinks he's communicating and he's actually saying absolutely nothing. Yeah. Okay. He's been too rich and too powerful for too long and he doesn't know how to say an actual sentence that has substance. Mm. I get too rich. I don't think he's been very powerful for very long. I think he had the authority to do something at one point, got paid for it, and was out after that. He was useful in the moment, got a payday, and that was it. I don't think he has or had power in the cigarette smoking organization. Ooh, okay. Do you think that's why Mulder's mom left him? Because he started being like, well, now I don't have power at work, so I have power over my domain. Oh, he probably still had power within his job, but not within the cigarette smoking organization is what I'm saying. Mm. I think he was useful in the moment, got his payday, then still just had his regular job at the State Department. I see. But... It seems awful. But he probably got worse when he got rich. And that's why Mulder's mom left. She's like, oh, I don't have to do this. (laughs) And she didn't. No, good for her. Good for Mulder's mom, who's not in this episode. (laughs) But you know what? That's fine. So uh, I said, Bill basically is, is so vague, it's annoying and unhelpful and about merchandise. Everything always comes back to capitalism. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that was my joke <laughs> Bill leaves after saying nothing besides you're going to hear the merchandise and it's going to make sense to you and we're all like why is it like this why are dads so evasive oh and as soon as he left the room I was like oh R.I.P. that guy so he walks into his bathroom and he looks in the mirror and it's not the bathroom that I would associate with the rest of that house Maybe it was all white. That's all I noticed. It had a tiny... Medicine cabinet? A tiny medicine cabinet. And I feel like those windows were so expensive that you wouldn't have that medicine cabinet, even in your guest bath. <laughs> okay. I don't know why that's what I stuck on. And then they opened the medicine cabinet and he had mouthwash that was, what, red? Yeah. Which is appalling. <laughs> okay. And then he closed the medicine cabinet and just like any good spook story... Yeah, I expected... Mulder's dad to die in this scene. I did not expect. 
Hot, Alex Krychek. Hot Krychek. So when I saw him, I got excited. Right? Because he was really hot. That's not really why I got excited, but, you know, whatever. Lie to yourself. <laughs> uh, do you want me to lie? Because I can do it, baby. I can do it. So compared to Mulder, who is sleep deprived and hasn't shaved properly and does still doesn't know how to do his hair, Prychek with a fresh shave and his hair done up in the mirror is just like, whew! <laughs> <laughs> wow. I can't wait to read you this note that I wrote before you started uh, this little obsession of yours. I was obsessed with Krychek back when he was on before. Not loudly, not sexually. I'm pretty sure, yeah, I was. And I wanted them to hook up. I mean, I don't remember that, but that sounds like you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was the first thing that I thought when we watched The Batman and you told your colleague that this is probably the first time in the history oh. <laughs> of watching things that I didn't want people to kiss. Yes. And I was like, yeah, like Mulder and Krychek should totally make out. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that out loud, but it was the first thing I thought. <laughs> so what is your note? We're not there yet. Okay. Well, Krychek shoots Mulder's dad in the head. Another thing I did not expect is for Mulder's dad to be able to talk with a bullet in his brain. Oh, yeah. So Mulder rushes in to find his dad shot, but not dead yet. Bullet in the temple. No exit wound. Like, he could have been shot in the chest. That like, could have been a thing. Mulder always gets through and throughs, but his dad just has a bullet lodged in his brain. Yeah, and it was supposed to be a 9mm. It should have been a 22. If you were to shot him in the head with a 22, there's a chance it would just rattle around in your skull and basically just scramble your brain. So 22s, they take a lot of shit for being small power, but like if you, you get up close to somebody. Ew. Yeah. This is horrifying. Well, I mean, just saying a 9mm should have went out. The other side. There should have been an exit, but no. The only person with through and throughs is Mulder. Yep. Not Mr. Mulder. Fox through and through Mulder. Yep. What is his middle name? Does he have a middle name? Nope. Hmm. Not in the book that I read. They never say. Okay. So, canon. Okay. <laughs> with a first name like Fox, what is your middle name possibly going to be? Dandy. Fox Dandy? Fox Dandy Mulder. I actually like that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Mulder rushes in, cradles his dad in his arms, who is not dead yet, and his dad asks Mulder to forgive him, which Mulder actually does not. He just looks at him real sad. And forgive you for what? You didn't even tell me what you did. You said the merchandise. It doesn't mean anything to me. Nope. But I think that, you know, his father's dying wish is for forgiveness and Mulder didn't give it to him. Wow. They're going to have to have a talk in the afterlife. Scully's dad kept coming back. That's true. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even think about that. Well, so Mulder contacts Scully and she tells him to flee the scene. And he says, I can't. I can't leave or else they're going to think I did it. And she's like, Mulder, come on. <laughs> come on, dude. They're she... setting you up. Which, obviously. Because otherwise they wouldn't have waited until Mulder was there to do right. it. And I understand he is... Upset. In a trauma response right now, so he's in shock. Not a trauma response. He's in shock, so not thinking clearly is not what I'm on Mulder for at this moment. Right. Also, he should have mentioned, uh, Scully, I'm calling you from my dad's phone. 
this can be easily tracked. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Leaving is definitely way more suspicious at this point. And what do we always say? Um, what? Don't be suspicious. No. <laughs> Don't be suspicious. <laughs> but what is better for Mulder, who's been out of sorts, erratic, sweaty, erratic, and is now in shock? What is the bright thing for him to do? Drive 10 hours. <laughs> or get on a flight with blood all over him. Either way. TSA was so much easier to pass before. <laughs> there, well, there was, there literally just was no TSA. Now you have to, like, get in that naked look like a moose machine. Mm, naked moose. Naked moose. The naked moose flies at midnight. I think most moose are naked, actually, if you really think about it. Whoa. Yeah. Think about it. <laughs> Bringing extra energy because it is the finale. Yes. Naked moose energy. So Mulder does leave. He arrives at Scully's place. He said something on the phone about, yeah, I should go home. And Scully says, you can't go home because somebody tried to, somebody shot through your window and almost killed me. I think they might be after you. I just realized something. It has to be X that took the shot at Mulder. Because Crycheck was in Martha's Vineyard? Crycheck was in Martha's Vineyard. And also, what good would it do to try to frame Mulder? For his dad's murder, and also kill him. Right. It wouldn't make any sense, so it had to have been X that took the shot at Mulder. Yep, I hope they remember that next season. <laughs> yeah, me too. Because <laughs> you're right, that makes a lot of sense. Even though Mulder can get to Martha's Vineyard in 15 minutes, so I guess Crycheck could also. <laughs> but it, you're right, it wouldn't make sense because they're trying to... The CSM is trying to... CSM org. Or not org. Hmm. Is trying to frame him. Is Crycheck not part of the CSM? I was going to mention this at the end. Ooh! I hope Crycheck comes back. He's looking pretty hot these days. I hope he dies. <laughs> Run he... over by a slow toy train. <laughs> you do want that, but I don't think it'll be as funny as a toddler to you. Do no. you Do you want to do? It's the... personal with Crycheck. I see. Because you keep talking about him. I do keep talking about him. I talk about him constantly off air. <sighs> Makes me so frustrated. I'm, I'm like. Hey, how was your day at work? Do you know what I thought about Crycheck today? <laughs> <sighs> I'm going to adopt a dog and name it Crycheck. <laughs> and then put gel in its hair. <laughs> All right, so uh, he arrives at Scully's house or apartment or whatever, wherever she's living at this point, And he looks awful. He's got a fever. He's obviously in shock. He's covered in his dad's blood. It's bad. She takes him to her bed and puts him in bed and apparently undresses him, which will come up later because she doesn't later. I mean, he can undress himself. I don't know. He could barely function when he got to her house. It's within the realm of reason that he undresses himself. It's the only thing that I have to stop everything else to do. I can't multitask if I'm undressing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't think Mulder had much else going on at the time. His dad was just shot! He wasn't doing anything about it. Wow. What do you... He wasn't doing anything else. He could undress himself. So while Mulder is asleep, Scully brings his gun to the FBI for comparison against the bullet that killed Bill. Wow. Kill Bill. She did not trust Mulder. I mean, why would you? I get that, but they're trying to make it... She, later tries to make it seem like she's doing it for his own good. There's no other reason other than she suspects he did it. He's been acting 
the same as he's been acting for two seasons. I don't know why anything would be different. Right. But yeah, she definitely does. Mulder is pissed when he wakes up. This shot of Mulder when he wakes up is where he's laying in Scully's bed with his jockey shorts. We already said this, didn't we? Yes. Okay. Couldn't remember if we said it when it was happening. Okay, never mind. It was just not that time yet. (laughs) So anyway, jockey shorts. Boxer briefs. That's right. Blue. Orange. Like burnt orange. Blue. Burnt orange. Light blue. Burnt orange. Not burnt orange. Burnt orange. We need to stop this recording. We need to find it. Yeah. Green. Is, is that burnt orange? Is it blue? Yeah. No. It's definitely closer to blue than it is to burnt orange. Closer to anything. It's green. I'm going to grab this Tumblr URL and put it into the show notes so you guys can sound off if it's closer to blue or burnt orange. And we can tweet it out too. A lot happens in the next little bit. Yeah. All right. So he calls or she calls him. What? No. He calls her. One of them. Somebody calls somebody. And Mulder at knees. Yeah. Mulder is pissed off, and I think he's not entirely wrong here because he suspects that she suspects him, and she's trying to talk her way out of it. No, I'm taking your gun to prove that it wasn't you. You literally told me that I have access to other people's guns. You're trying to see if it was my gun because you think I did it. But also, the only person trying to save either of their jobs for two full seasons is Scully. That's fine. And she is the one who's being called in by Skinner and the FWB and the I and Chris Carter to have to confront all of this. And Mulder hasn't been helpful for two seasons, so I think I would also take his gun. That's fine. Just saying. But she's lying about, oh, I'm trying to clear you. No, you're not. You're trying to prove that I did it. Or prove that you didn't. No, because that's not using that gun is not proof. According to her, he has access to other guns. According to me also. Yeah, so she's not trying to clear him. That's garbage. Fine. So she lies to Mulder, which is okay. Yeah, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) I'm merely pointing out what she's doing. I'm not passing judgment on the action itself. Okay. I just want to point out that she is definitely doing it because she thinks Mulder did it. That's fine. Yeah. He also punched Skinner yesterday, so. Who hasn't wanted to punch a boss? All right. So then... Mulder is going back to his apartment building. He spots Krychek, and instead of going into his building, he sneaks around, and then they come to a point, and Krychek is really bad at knowing where Mulder is at this point because he just (laughs) walks into him. And uh, they fight. Mulder gets the gun away from Krychek and chokes him. I don't know, a chokehold, some sort of something. Just got him pinned down on the back of a car. That's it. Pins him down and is yelling, I'm going to kill you anyway, Crychuck. You might as well tell me the truth. That's what it is. Which I thought was hardcore. It's pretty great. It's pretty badass. And he was he was poised to shoot Crychuck. Would he have? At this point, I have absolutely no idea. Actually. I mean, a lady will shoot her husband of 30 years. We forgot to totally forgot to mention what Scully found in the basement before this. Oh, yeah. No, we're getting there. I know. It happened before this. I know, but we're getting there. Okay. So here's where my note comes in. Krychek is really good at the stealth stuff and shooting people in the back of the head and everything. He's got all that good spook stuff going. But when he actually gets face-to-face with someone, he gets punked out every single time. Alex Krychek is a punk. 
No, you know, you have your you have your abilities, you have your ranged weapons, and you have your melee weapons. <laughs> Alex Krychek is a punk. I don't know what you would do if you were in his. I'd learn Krav Maga. He was four inches from Bill. Yeah, with a gun. He shot an old man in the head. Sneaky, sneaky. Sneaky, mm-hmm. sneaky. Yeah, you know, a bad old man. We didn't find out what he did. It could have been good. Well, the end of this episode shows that it wasn't <laughs> good. And we knew way back in those other episodes that something was wrong with We this just guy. assumed it. <laughs> like, I can't believe they didn't tell us that because that was firmly in my head that Fox Mulder's dad was a bad person. Yeah, and it's not in the books either. Wow. That's <laughs> so wild. They're like, I think in the books, the closest to guess is his dad worked for some governmental agency, but that could be anybody. Well, he was part of the State Department. That could be a... F- I know, but if you're in the... As far as I can remember in the book, it's like, if you're working for the government, you could work for the subway station. You could work for the metro. That's yeah. government. Right. So, like, having a government job doesn't mean that you're hiding aliens. <laughs> It means you probably have better health care than we do. <laughs> so Scully shows up and she <laughs> ends up shooting Mulder to prevent Mulder from shooting Crycheck. Which, why? What's the point of that? And Crycheck escapes. And later Scully says that she did it because if the weapon that Crycheck had was actually the weapon that murdered Bill... She didn't want it to be the same weapon that Mulder had shot. But he's got his fingerprints all over it at this point. It was... You know what? We haven't said it yet. Unclear. Unclear. There's no reason to shoot Mulder in this scenario. If she just wants to not have... She saved Crytek's life and let him get away. There are a lot of things that I criticize Dana Scully for. And I think they're all reasonable... I think they're real criticizations. That's a word. Oh. And I think she just... This action right here makes me think she is part of the syndicate. Oh. I'm sure that's not the case, but there's no reason to let Krychek go and shoot Mulder. It's man. If you just want Krychek to stay alive, shoot him in the knee. Fine. And then Mulder can be like, and then, but he's not going anywhere, Mulder. We can question him now. Well, none of that happens. She shoots Mulder instead. And then we wake up two days later when Mulder wakes up in New Mexico. (laughs) And I said, how did she get an unconscious Mulder to New Mexico? She said she drugged him. She does say she drugged him. She says she drugged him to keep him under while the drugs worked out of his system. (laughs) And look, I understand that they're different drugs. They all metabolize (laughs) differently. But that was a hilarious statement to me. That's funny. So this is where we can get into what she found. When she was, when she got shot in Mulder's apartment, she went back and dug the slug out of the wall or did it that same night. I don't know when she did it. She dug the slug out of the wall. And that's when she found... The soft water containers? Yeah. Uh, She saw, I believe, Crycheck wheeling an empty soft water container out. Oh, is that... uh, When she was getting the slug? Yeah. Got it. Okay. And then she went down and saw, oh, this doesn't belong here. And got her 
Bad person evidence. Yes. That all happened very fast because I must have been typing. Yeah, it was pretty quick. So all of that happens. She found out that Mulder was acting erratically because he was being drugged from his water. Crycheck was involved in that, which also doesn't answer why she let Crycheck go. Mm-hmm. None of this makes sense, but this is the X-Files, so fine. This is when Mulder mentions there was a murder in my building. Oh, Just yes. Just real quick. When he finds out that the water supply was being drugged. Is he going to go help that lady out? No. No? Okay. Mulder has never cared about anybody but himself. This also reminds me of a question I have just in life. If somebody drugs you against your will and you commit a crime under the influence of those drugs, should you be guilty of that crime? Like, that is a thing you would not have done if somebody else had not drugged you. Yeah. Should you? Probably not. Oh, you um, definitely are. Right. Would you be? Yeah. It's that, was it the Simpsons that did the skin tone? Like, which skin tone are uh, you? Oh, uh, Family Guy. Family Guy. It's like, are you this or are you this? And that's what's going to. Oh, no, I think uh, how much money is in your bank account is what's that, going to determine that. That definitely helps too, yeah. Well, so she lets Mulder know that he was being drugged. There's a lady who is now going to jail for being a bystander being accidentally drugged was and anybody, murdering somebody was yes was anybody else in the building acting weird yeah they don't show it it sounds like it was accidentally going to her place i'm sure that water was for the whole building or maybe the whole floor you think there were there were definitely there weren't not enough tanks for every apartment to have their own tank no i guess that makes sense i don't know how this all works actually that's not how soft water works in my memory. Where are so, our water tanks? Underground? Our hot water tank is upstairs next to the laundry. I'm going to check it after this to make sure it's not got a soft water dialysis machine on I it. I think they meant water softener, not <laughs> soft water. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> that was another thing where I was like, what? Oh well. So Scully explains that she shot at Mulder because if he had killed Crycheck, then it would have been harder to prove Mulder's innocence in Bill's death. She then introduces him to this Mulder. Is not true. No, it isn't. To Albert Hosteen, who has been translating the files on the tape, and Scully reveals that the tape contains information on both her and Dwayne Barry. And now we have a a hook for Dana Scully to be fully invested in the X-Files. We did not before. Let's see if it happens. I, I hope so. We have like eight more seasons. TBC. Hosting introduces Mulder. Oh, okay. So they actually talk a little bit in the, the hotel. I don't think Mulder actually acknowledges Albert <laughs> in that whole scene. She's like, oh, this is Albert. He's doing all of the work. And Mulder is just like, <laughs> and then Albert leaves and he says, there was an omen. We knew you were coming. That, that's when Mulder, he doesn't say anything to him, but he looks at him. Right. I don't know that that's the same. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, it's but, not oh, like he ignored him completely. And here's why I started talking about the, um, the boxer briefs again, because in this case, Mulder is fully covered with his sheet when he wakes up, but he's got his jeans on. So when he's just got his boxer briefs on, his blue boxer briefs. Green. Is not orange. We just looked at the picture. not orange. It's not blue. It's not orange. It's not blue. It's so much closer to blue. It's it's not blue. doesn't matter. It doesn't he's... matter closer, what, on the yeah. Roy G. Biv scale? Yeah. Damn, blue and green are right there. 
next to each other. Yeah. Jeebus. Did you never take an art class? Not since like just freshman year of high school. Yeah, same. Which was like four years before this episode. <laughs> I thought you were going to say four years ago. <laughs> Which was like four years ago. <laughs> How was I supposed to remember that? All right. Well, anyway, um, Hosting introduces Mulder to his grandson. And this, this is the scene where I was like, why did Mulder drive? Mulder has been drugged and then drugged again and then feverish and then shot through the shoulder, but he's driving? He had 36 hours of sleep. He is well rested. <laughs> 36 hours of detox, I would say, is not the same as sleep. It was deep sleep. His <laughs> REM most of the way. It's he... like 20 hours of REM. <laughs> wow. He's feeling great. Can I have some of that? <laughs> Please. So, uh, so Mulder meets the uh, the grandson who we saw in the opening scene, who brought home the alien and or alien like creature, whatever. And Mulder goes with the grandson on the back of the motorbike to the boxcar. But first, we have a good scene between Hosteen and Mulder in the car when they get to the house. They have a nice exchange that I really liked. Okay, Hosteen does say Anasazi means ancient aliens, which obviously is not true. And historians, oh, he says Mulder seems ready to sacrifice himself to the truth. Oh, and then Mulder's like, um, what? <laughs> yeah, that Mulder doesn't understand, but he says historians were not willing to sacrifice themselves from the truth. And what's the truth? Nothing vanishes without a trace. Yeah, that's pretty good. Fantastic line. Fantastic line delivery. Just wonderful. I like that. Yeah, me too. That's why I had to had to talk about it, because it was really good. Yes. And then they go to the buried boxcar. Uh, so just imagine being on the back of a dirt bike with a hole in your shoulder. Sounds fun. Great. They get there, and then they walk down the, uh, the red clay. So that also sounds super fun with a shoulder wound and detox just happening. Yeah, the paint makes it a little more traction-y. Oh, okay. That's good. <laughs> so it's okay if it's not real. <laughs> okay, it helps. Vancouver painted red. I guess that helps, yeah. You're right, the traction does help. Yeah. So they get down to the boxcar, and um, the grandson, do we know his name? Eric. Eric says, so Mulder sees a plaque, or whatever, on the, the car, and says, it's a boxcar, and Eric says, it's a refrigerator car, and then he opens it. Yeah, it was nice because... They did a good mystery thing at yeah. the beginning. You're like, it's a freaking buried UFO. And then it's like, no, it's a railroad car. I did really like that. And I liked that Eric was correct. Like, Mulder wasn't wrong, but Eric was the most correct. <laughs> he got more specific. Yeah. In the um, actually. I liked it because Mulder's usually the one going, uh, no, I know that's what science says and all, but that's not true. It's actually magic. No. Okay. So Refrigeration is magic. Yeah. How do you think it works? Tubes. <laughs> yeah. How do you think the magic gets around? Vacuum. No. Okay. <laughs> they open the boxcar and Mulder hops inside. Which, my God, it's got to be so hot in there because they're in New Mexico. Oh, and it's this... a refrigerator car. <laughs> That's not what that means. <laughs> finds the the alien-like bodies piled on each other 
Big and, old pile. Oh my gosh. So he says, so Scully calls and they're still able to talk because there's still a signal because the boxcar door is open. Ceiling door thing is open. Yeah, these are really good cell phones because they're in the middle of nowhere yeah. and he's inside a steel container. In 1995. In 1995. But I really liked this scene because Mulder's talking to Scully and he says, there are bodies everywhere. And as he says it, there's only one, there's pile, one of pile of bodies, but it zooms out slightly. And so they threw a singular body over <laughs> in the corner. So there was a body elsewhere. It was, I mean, I know, grotesque. We're talking about dead bodies being piled up here, but it was one pile. It was really funny. There's bodies everywhere. I was like, where are the other? Oh, there's, there's another body. So apparently Eric had opened up this thing and gone down in there and hauled out a body. He just like chucked it up out of there. Right? How did he get out of there? I don't know. Which is Come, going to come back shortly. How did he get yeah. out of there? Right. While Mulder is inside talking to Scully, the uh, the boxcar lid is closed. Oh, I'm sorry. While he's talking to Scully, he says, oh my God, there's smallpox vaccination scars on their arms, which makes everybody go, oh no, are they actually people? Yeah. Yeah, they're actually people. It's they're good. not aliens. Turns out they're not aliens. This is another alien DNA experiment. Yes. And most likely these were American Indians who yeah. were told they were getting vaccinated. Yes, most likely. Eey. Yeah, it's real cringy. Ugh. And then the uh, the dramatic closing of the top of the boxcar. And <laughs> for a minute I said, why is he working with the <laughs> you government? totally did. And you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Because it looked to me like the helicopter was coming to get Mulder and then he was keeping Mulder in there because it didn't really make sense. I think he was a kid. He was like, oh, I'll try to hide this. Which, fine. Once I paid 30 seconds more of attention, it made more sense. But I was like... <laughs> he was just like, I'll do what I can. Yeah. And that's when Scully is cut off because that's where the signal goes Can you out. hear me now? And the answer is no. And the uh, cigarette smoking man is in the helicopter. The helicopter lands. They, some big burly guys and some com armed commandos, I guess, uh, grab the boy. And the cigarette smoking man actually says, what's your name, boy? Oh, and Eric just puts his chin up. Like, yeah, he does. You know, what are you going to do? It was pretty good. It was good. I was, I was I'm scared <laughs> for him. He was like... I've been I've been under white man heel my entire life. Fuck you, dude. Yeah. They end up so CSM asks him a couple more questions which he refuses to answer and they assume that Mulder's in the boxcar. They jump down and look first. And oh, they that's say right. it's clear. Yeah. CSM takes Eric to the helicopter mm -hmm. and then the commandos throw what looks like an MRE bag down into the boxcar and then they're like go 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 go. Or move out, move out, move out, or something like that. I can't remember what the screen said because it popped up after the credits started rolling. <laughs> <laughs> and they take off, and the boxcar blows, and and it's an incendiary device, not an explosion, right? Because the fire sticks around. And I was first thinking, oh, he's just going to put himself underneath all the bodies. They'll take the brunt, the brunt of the explosion, and then he can climb out. But then the fire keeps raging, so I'm like, hmm, I wonder if there's a tunnel out of there. Yeah, I wonder what's going to happen here. 
But I also thought getting under the bodies, and then I thought, ugh. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> ugh. But I'd rather a uh, couple minutes of ugh. They would be like beef jerky bodies. They wouldn't. They, they wouldn't be juicy. No, I think it would be. It would be egregious regardless. But I think non-juicy beef jerky bodies is better than juicy bodies. Definitely, anything's better than juicy bodies. <laughs> yeah, I have a little bit of a production note for this scene. To create the impression of a buried train carriage, a depression had to be blown into the ground, and 32 dump trucks worth of debris was removed. That was my other note. Oh. That I looked up. Look at you! You did it! You did stuff! Yep. Never again. (laughs) Some final thoughts. The episode, this is from uh, one of the critics that we've talked about regularly. The episode, along with both other parts in the story arc, were listed concurrently as the second best episode in the series by Den of Geeks' Nina Sorty. Sorty noted that the plotline, quote, laid the groundwork for the mythology arc for the rest of the series, unquote, adding that it, quote, brought much more significance to what is to come, unquote. Ooh. How did you feel about this episode? Oh, I loved it. Good. Yeah, I thought it was a great episode. I... Watched it without you first because I knew you weren't gonna watch want to watch it twice. And when you asked me about it, I was like, "Oh, it was great! It's fantastic! This is a really good episode." Um, who are you shipping? Uh, that I don't know. I'm shipping Crycheck and Mulder because I'm still holding out hope. Mm. They're gonna have to come back from this, but they've done this to women for in in cinema and entertainment forever. Falling in love with someone who's terrible for you or is caused you so many wrongs oh as we were talking about killing eve earlier today yeah yeah okay i guess i'm chipping cry check in a slow moving toy train <laughs> really want those two to get together how are you surviving how i am surviving is that's a tough one because there's a lot of people after a lot of people in this one yeah and they're all interconnected so i guess i'm surviving by getting under the beef jerky bodies and then hoping i can Hoping the fire dies down without taking all of my oxygen. Yeah, yikes. Am I surviving? Because my dad actually did work for the government. Yeah. Maybe I'm already involved. Oh, no. Do I need to worry? I drink a lot of water. It's a good thing I don't. I know. I was thinking that might have been your answer. You only drink bottled water. (laughs) (laughs) That's only because work, everybody. I'm not just single-use plastics guy for the hell of it. Oh, yes. Uh, and also mine get two uses. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I don't know how I'm surviving. You know what? Just going to deal with each of these bullshit pieces of things that come out as they come along. Mm. I can't take on the whole thing. Yeah, that's why I just went for the end. I'm, how do I survive that bit? I'm just a little guy in a big world. Just a little guy. <laughs> All right, so we'll have this episode, and it is the end of season two. And then next week, we will have our season two recap. We've decided to talk about the episodes that we liked the best, and then we will, I'm sure, have some more announcements about what season three is going to look like. Yeah, sure. Uh, Thing I wanted to discuss was the new organization in town. Because Krychek got fired from the cigarette smoking organization. Oh, yeah. Do you think he's working with X? No, that wouldn't make sense if X is trying to kill Mulder. Yeah, because that wouldn't line up. But uh, Cigarette Smoking Man also told Mulder that he had nothing to do with killing his dad. 
He said we had nothing to do with that. Has CSM ever directly lied to Mulder's I face? I don't think he has. I don't think he has either. Because he doesn't need to. Right. I always like that kind of bad guy. I do too. They're just so much more interesting. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, I don't think he's ever lied to Mulder. Interesting. Deep Throat did. Yep. X has. Yep. Who are supposed to be his allies. I don't think Cigarette Smoking Man has. I love Could that. be wrong about that. I know. We could be, but I'm feeling that way too. Yeah. Because so, even when Mulder broke into his apartment. Yeah, he was just like, oh, I'm not even that high up in the food chain. No, he's like, yeah. I have, I've got I, some power. I know, I know some things. I've got some power, but you take me out. This is an ending. Yeah. I love that. That's why the Bare Naked Ladies and I always say... I hope the Smoking Man's in this one. That's why the Bare Naked Ladies and I always say, uh, lying in bed just like Dennis Wilson did. <laughs> and that's why I always say, along with the Bloodhound Gang, <laughs> do it doggy style so we can both watch X-Files. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why both me and Trent Reznor say, The Cast Files is produced by Kristen Riley and Dave Reed. Edited by Dave Reed. You can find us on Twitter at CastFiles. You can find me on Twitter at Dave Reed. That's D-A-I-V-E-R-E-E-D. You can email us at TheCastFiles. That's the with two E's at gmail.com. If you could please go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars and tell us that we are doing phenomenal things. Artistic, wonderful things. We are raising the bar on podcasting. We would love you forever for that. We have a Tee Public store. You can go buy t-shirts and stuff there. Music by Hal Six. Logo by at Art. That's O-O-K-A-A-R-T. The school of the... School. Skewl. <laughs>